You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 846 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, why below prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you missed it yesterday, we had a similar show structure. And basically, I'll be attaching some quick thoughts on, at the top of these podcasts, followed by interviews with Brian Schroeder of Dime and Patreon fame over at Cosmos on Twitter as well. Brian's very smart. Um, Brian and I talked about a few prospects already, and that's been recorded all in one chunk, and I'm breaking it into multiple parts. Yesterday was LaMelo Ball. Today is James Wiseman. Uh, then Anthony Edwards will be coming later on. Also, I'm breaking them up just in, just in general to keep them bite-sized, to keep that to keep the daily format going, and that's sort of a, a locked-on network mandate. We have plenty of more guests coming beyond Brian in the coming days. We are now less than four weeks from the NBA draft, so plenty to discuss. And then eventually after these top-tier guys, Brian and I will be talking about the guys the Hawks are most likely to actually draft at six with Okoro and Halliburton and Vassell, etc., etc. So all of that said, uh, those, are, those are very fun, and stay tuned for Brian in a moment. Before that, though, there was one thing that I wanted to touch on at the top of this podcast, and that was a, a piece from Tim Bonsemps of ESPN on Monday um, on a list of the people in the NBA with the power to sort of shape the offseason in this very, very weird time around the league. Tim's a good, Tim is a good friend of the, prog- good friend of the program and a, a great guy. I wanted to just go ahead and cite that at the top. But he referred to Travis Schlenk, the president of basketball operations for the Hawks, as, quote, the GM with money to spend, end quote, and also put Atlanta's offseason into sort of two options in terms of how the team might spend that money and influence the market as a result. So I want to give you a little bit of feedback there. People were asking me to touch on this once they actually found it online earlier this week. Option number one, and this is, I'm going to read now from Tim, and he is talking about the option to commit to long-term additions, and I'm quoting now. Rival teams expect Atlanta to make substantial improvements this offseason. If the Hawks can add depth around their young core of, of young Collins, Herter, Hunter, Reddish, and Capella, they can enter the suddenly competitive playoff mix in the Eastern Conference. With $42 million to spend, general manager Travis Schlenk can make competitive long-term offers that most teams won't be able to top. The Hawks won't find a proven star on this class, but there are good players, including Fred Van Vliet, Davis Bertans, Danilo Gallinari, and Joe Harris, who could add much-needed shooting and defense. End quote. So, that's all from Tim. Now, this is me talking. Uh, none of this is new, of course. Obviously, it's worth noting and sort of looking at how the long-term additions could help could help to shape the Hawks and also the market itself, because the Hawks do have the most cap space in the entire league and a very, very clean cap sheet. Really, the only negative counter they have right now is Dwayne Debman, and it's only for one, one year and then a non-guarantee after that. So keep that in mind. The Hawks might have some incentive to keep their books relatively clean for next offseason with the huge free agency class coming and the ability to hand out at least one max contract, but... If they don't, if they don't want to do that necessarily, if they don't view it as a priority to have that max space next summer, they could also extend John Collins, and they also could look to capitalize on the market shrinking a little bit for some of the quality players that might be able to take, uh, that actually might be able to sort of lure for cheaper this offseason because of all of the uh, restrictive um, financial concerns potentially around the league. So they might be able to pounce on multi-year deals if they can find the value along the way there. I would not focus too much on the names that Tim put out there just because they are sort of logical guys, Van Vliet, Bertans. Gallinari and Harris, they're basically just the guys that project to make the most money that are not Anthony Davis and Brandon Ingram. So I think I wouldn't dwell on that. But 
we've discussed all of them at various times, and it's all about how the market works in a lot of ways, and we'll see how the Hawks are willing to spend their money on that sort of established veteran rotation-level piece that might even start for you as soon as next season. So from there, Tim put forth an option two in that same piece with the Hawks looking at potentially short-term improvements. I'm going to read you what he wrote about that, and I quote, the alternate route here is bypassing an extension for Collins, waiting to resign him until he's a restricted free agent after ne- after next season, and getting the best possible players now on one-year deals. That would allow the Hawks to walk into next year's free agency with a full max salary slot and attempt to recruit a star after what they hope is an impressive season. End quote. So that's an obvious follow-up to the other option, clearly um, with the Collins part as well. If you're a long-time listener, you would have heard me say this a million times, but I'll come back to it now for anyone that's new to the podcast. The Hawks do have some incentive to not, I repeat, not extend John Collins this offseason without a substantial discount, at least if they care about 2021, which is the option that Tim is discussing here. An extension this year takes on all the risk, puts all the risk on the team instead of the player, and that usually needs to come with a team-friendly deal unless it's like an absolute no-brainer max, and John Collins is very good, but not a no-brainer max guy yet. So they could certainly pay him anyway. That would not surprise me at all. But if it's if it's the max or something cl- something close to that, they would be sacrificing a lot of financial flexibility for next summer if they chose to go ahead and do that. Even if they did that, though, and, and extended Collins, there's still an argument for wanting to keep the rest of the uh, cap sheet clean because the Collins loss could be you know ten million dollars of cap space lost next summer. They, they still actually still have a, quite a bit of cap space if they wanted to, and you know one year deals for this summer, either by trade or by free agent signing. Um, would make a lot of sense through that prism. So trying to find names on one-year deals is very tough always. And as a reminder, the Hawks absolutely have to get to the salary cap floor. If they don't, they have to pay that money out anyway to their existing players. So they're going to want to do that, I'm sure. And that requires some real spending between now and the start of next season, in, in theory, if the cap rules are the same as they usually are. So we'll see what they do here. They will take on some money almost certainly, and we'll see what, where that actually comes from. But in the end, nothing hugely revelatory here. But it's always interesting to me to have the Hawks actually mentioned in relative depth in a broad national conversation about free agency and spending. The Hawks, again, do have the most cap space in the entire league. So they always should be a part of the mix here, but that actually kind of rarely happens. So I like to make note of it when it does. And Tim is uh, very plugged in as well. So uh, I would take that for what it is. Uh, read that piece. I would definitely plug it um, over at ESPN to get the full context of that. But I, th- I think it actually is a good point by Tim that Travis Schlenk is sort of an underrated player in the entire sort of national landscape this offseason because the Hawks can do so many different things. They are one of only a few teams that can go over the middle of, mid-level exception to sign players. They are still young, but, you know, unlike teams like the Pistons or the Knicks, etc., the Hawks actually have a young core that makes sense for them. They have a they have an apparent plan. They have a number one option in Troy Young. So while the Warriors are the team everyone's discussing that was a, a, sort of the non-bubble team, the Warriors are a different place for sure. The Hawks, among the, among the other teams, are in the best position pretty clearly given their combination of flexibility, young talent, and an actual star in Trey Young. So the Hawks, I think, are under-discussed. That's not a new phenomenon if you followed this team for a, long, for a long time, but I was glad to see that sort of a uh, little, little bit of attention paid to that, and uh, I wanted to make note of it, as I said before. Okay. Before we get to Brian and a discussion about James Wiseman, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different prices for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are always the same for everyone, and they're always very, very low. Instead of changing prices based on the market, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest price as possible. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car or your truck and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices 
that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for absolutely everyone. Does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend more for the exact same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar, and Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've always told you that I love the original Built Bar flavors, and I absolutely do, but now there are up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including my personal favorite cookies and cream, as well as other options like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and many, many more. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, and from there, it's important to point out that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still eating something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. And now as a final disclaimer, this is the second part of discussion with Brian Schroeder. It was recorded as part of a larger conversation. Keep that in mind as we go through this. But here is the conversation that I had with Brian about James Wiseman. All right, Brian, let's transition to another guy the Hawks are not likely to get. And that player is James Wiseman. Uh, This is a guy who I thought even coming in before the lottery, I didn't see a super likely path for the Hawks to get Wiseman, given the fact that they traded for Capella and all that stuff. But um, he's still projected widely to be a top three-ish pick um definitely polarizing i think people in the draft twitter realm are, are lower on wiseman as a general rule um the people seem to be around the league but obviously you know he has the prototypical size seven one seven six wingspan all that kind of stuff he's obviously a, a big time athlete all that uh also another limited sample Man. guy unless you were trying to find him uh played you know very very little at the college level but what do you make of wiseman where do you sort of fall on the on the spectrum of uh, believer versus non-believer in him um, I'm a, I'm a believer in the sense that I think he will be in the NBA and will like can will have moments of effectiveness. But like Enos Cantor's had moments of effectiveness. The 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 comp the comps are have gone nuts. You got David Robinson. You got Chris Bosh, which is hilarious. If you don't think about how Wiseman plays, the obvious comp is Hassan Whiteside. He's going to get rebounds. He'll, he'll block some shots. That's some very impressive looking blocks. He may shoot some threes. Uh, he'll. I mean, he's just, he's like. No offense to Hassan Whiteside, he's probably a smarter basketball player than Hassan Whiteside, and he apparently is like well, kind of just a very good dude. He played, he plays hard. His problem is is that he can't move laterally. He's like almost no lateral explosiveness at all, and he Hassel has a really high center of gravity, which is a problem. I mean, ask Hashim to beat, he'll be better than that, but like he's just not. He he's. No other way to say it. He spent his high school career getting his ass kicked by all the other elite centers for most of it. Like Oscar Sheebway, Isaiah Stewart, all these guys who are just like bullied him. And then it even happened. Um, he played those three games, two games he played against literal nobody, like teams that didn't have a, a guy taller than 6'8". And he was averaging like 35 and 20 through those two games. And people were like, oh, freaking out. And then he played Oregon. And Oregon did not have Infali Dante or, no, they didn't have Infale Dante yet, who was their big recruit. So their starting center was Francis Okoro, not related to Isaac, who's like 6'8 and a half, 240. Francis Okoro pushed Wiseman out of the way for like four rebounds in that game. Like he still played all right. He he had a good game. He had some really nice. He had a couple nice blocks. Yeah, there was he some good really, flash in that game. His hands, his hands looked really good. Like I think his hands are good. He's gonna catch and dunk. 
um, he better catch a dunk because he can't really like he doesn't explode off the ground really either. It's people confusing. There's different types of athleticism. Like in a straight run down the court, he is breathtaking. He he runs great. He runs yep. great. He'll catch. You know, he'll probably get some transition buckets where he looks like a terror. But like in space under the basket, it's the inverse of Brandon Clark. Like he just doesn't get up that fast. He, he loads like a trebuchet. Like he's gonna get blocked by even like Giannis. Like those guys are gonna like. He's not gonna be playing against high schoolers anymore. And he also just has a weird. He has like he can shoot a little, but he's one of these centers who thinks he can like. I don't want to say like Bobby, like yeah, maybe like Bobby Portis a little bit, where Bobby Portis will just take fadeaways for no reason. And it's like Wiseman in that in that same Oregon game, I think he had Will Richardson on him, who's like six three, and he caught the ball in the middle of the paint and did like a, a Dirk fadeaway. And it's like that don't take that shot. <laughs> You're not Dirk. You're not yes. Kevin Durant. You're not Dirk. You're not Victor Webanyama. Don't take these shots. Um But I but I do think I do think he's he's like a smart kid, and I think he's gonna if he goes to a team I'm just kind of hoping he kind of like he won't fall, but I'm just kind of hoping he'd fall. If he falls like San Antonio, he'd probably be amazing. But I don't know. The Warriors may. I think they could still take him. Just you have like a big guy, but I don't think he's going to be like. He'll have some numbers, but I don't think he's going to be like an immediate impact star rookie. He just he's going to have really bad on-offs. I feel like he's going to have. You're going to end up seeing like whenever he switches on the guards, he's going to give up a lot of points because he just can't can't contain, he can't move and swivel his hips and contain on the perimeter like at all. And so he's kind of like, it's, he's, he's played this really intelligently. Like I think he would have played the season out if he, if they didn't have the, that all the stuff going on with him and Penny Hardaway. Eligib- but I think it was very smart. concerns. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was very smart of him and his family and his agents part to just pull the plug and just like, don't take the cover off the mystery box because, uh, NBA teams still are not putting a lot of value into pre-college sample sizes. And if they were, they would have seen that he had a 52 true shooting in EYBL his last year, which is terrible. That's awful. And this is an an EYBL is like the elite high school stuff. But if you're a five-star number one pick guy, you should be destroying EYBL. Like Zion did, like Michael Porter Jr. did, like Cade Cunningham has for three years. Those guys obliterated EYBL. Zion had like an 85 true shooting one year. Like he just killed everybody. And James Wiseman did not do that. A part of that is that he was not growing. He's, he's a lot stronger and bigger than he was then. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm just not, there's statistically, there's nothing about him that makes him seem like an elite prospect. And then like the tape is, he's very talented and he has a lot of strengths, but he, like modern NBA, if he was coming out in like 2006, I think you'd, you'd look at him and like, yeah, that guy's an all-star like Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal now would be good play off the floor in the playoffs. Like Marcus Aldridge almost has a lot of the times, and he's probably not as quick as Marcus Aldridge. So like that type of center is not super valuable right now. Like, are you really going to give him the ball in the post and let him back people down and hit like fifty percent of his shots? Is that your offense? Um, he, he can take three. I think that's the saving grace. Is I think I do think he'll shoot some spot ups and be okay on him. And like he could improve. But for right now, I'm just not – I don't see him at all as like a top – even in this draft, I probably wouldn't take him top five unless I really – unless I was somebody who I really – if I really had faith in my development program. Yeah, he's going to need some – if you're team drafting in the bottom five, you don't. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. He's going to need some some seasoning. And it's interesting, like 
you mentioned the comps. The comps are out of control. Just in general, comps are challenging. But they're, you know, they're, dumb. they're there, dumb. There is almost no chance he'd be comp to Chris Bosch if he wasn't left-handed. Like that's the entire comp. Oh yeah. Because they're not. Yeah. He's. They're not similar players. Uh, Robinson is left-handed and also the body, the body style. So I get all that. Um, but it's uh, yeah. So, I'm with you. Admiral was a hundred times more like strength to power. Now, in fairness, Admiral didn't be going to the NBA until he was like 24. I was going to say, he, he was a very, very grown individual but. when he got there. But yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, mean, I can at least, like, if you just look at those guys side by side, I guess I understand it. But to, to your point about Wiseman, I, I think there is a really strong, maybe even likely chance that he's like a solid starting center in the league that does a lot of things well. Um, my problem is that I, I have a hard time seeing – the superstar upside that people talk about with him. That's my, that's kind of my thing. Like, I think it's a pretty safe bet, honestly, that he is like a functional 25 to 30 minute a game, like quality center in the league. The question is how valuable that is. Number one. And number two, it's like, what can he do to go beyond that? Because outside of the physical tools, I, I I guess the path is that he just be an awesome defender. That's the way to do it. But that's hard to bet on. Honestly, I know he has the tools, but it's just hard to bet on anybody. Yeah. And, like, Roy Hibbert got played out of the NBA. Now, Wiseman's not going to have that problem as much. But, I mean, the best way to look at it from a Hawks perspective, I'm not a, I'm not convinced he'll be a better NBA player than Clint Capella is right now. Clint Capella oh, no. is I much mean, faster. Yeah, right? Capella. More explosive and more quicker. Well, I mean, Capella's, Capella is a different player. But, I mean, at Capella's peak in Houston, he was, like, a top 60 player in the league. Like, you can't just, like, project that to be a lock by any means. If that was the case, he would be higher for me too. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't know. He's just not – I don't want to say his mentality because it's not always mentality. But, I mean, we thought – we keep getting tricked by workout guys, I feel like. And he's going to be a huge workout guy. Thomas Robinson was a huge workout guy. The beat wasn't really – the beat just, like, walked into a room and people saw him. But I, I think he'll be better than, like, the huge all-time big man draft bus. But I do think – I think he could he could be the guy who's taken number two in disappoints, which seems to happen every other year. Hello, yeah. Evan, Evan Turner and Derek Williams and, <laughs> and all these guys. Those yeah. guys are older, but still. The second pick is has a bad track record because people will will take the upside guy and they don't quite understand their upside or they don't develop them properly. MKG is a good example of just like not taking Lillard when he was obviously better even then. And yeah, it's just it's really risky and I if I was a Hawks fan, I'd feel very happy that I was picking second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there are definitely Hawks fans that wanted Wiseman. I heard from them a lot before the lottery, and I guess I get it. I was never on that on that side. Um, and if My they had not traded, people... go ahead. I was gonna say if they, if they hadn't traded for if they had not traded for Capella, I would have we would have spent a lot more time on this podcast and other places talking about Wiseman and the Kongwu, especially. Um, yeah, but, I, I think I think that would be more reasonable. Yeah, and even, but even then, like your point is a good one. I just the upside thing, like on paper, I see why he is seen as an upside prospect. He has this shroud of mystery, having not played a ton of college basketball. He has the seven one. He looks fantastic in a workout video, but like upside wise, who who are the who are the like true centers that play like he is going to play that are huge upside bets in the modern NBA? Like it doesn't really exist for the most part. And again, I think the I think the upside for me has to be defensively. That's the only way. I I, I don't really see him as a guy who's going to go out and he's be a dominant offensive player. On pick and rolls, yeah. at least for a few months, he's going to get shredded on pick and rolls. Like well, most guys. Gonna, do. I mean, most guys do that are rookie yeah, centers. He's hard. Be, yeah. Like 
But like Mitchell Robinson's like one of the few rookie centers of the last decade who didn't. And Mitchell Robinson is a completely different level athlete than James Strange Wiseman. Not even like Mitchell Robinson is a freak. Like his hip flexibility, his ability to turn his legs and like power through on one foot and jump off on one foot, it's freakish. It's, it's like it's ridiculous. Um my, my my thing for Wiseman for the people who think Wiseman is like some guaranteed star, it's it's the same thing I want to say to people who think Lamella Ball is not. You have not. It's how many games have you watched of them? Have you yeah, watched the full James Wiseman in any scenario? <laughs> you can't say that you know he's good because you haven't. No, and that that's part. Honestly, that's part of the reason why I wanted to even still do the guys at the top in this uh, extended discussion over multiple parts with you is that um, just to. I know you've seen them even more than I have. You watch a ton of basketball on these guys, especially that I have not even, I mean, I've watched a lot of Wiseman compared to most people, but still there isn't that much to watch. Yeah. There isn't that much to watch. I mean, you have to go back to pre-college and that's hard for a lot of, it's hard for me, much less a lot of people that don't do this in the way that we do. So yeah, he's interesting. I think there's always a couple guys. I was, I was pretty low on him coming into last year. I do think to his credit at the hoop summit last year, uh, he played really hard. Like he he played like he knew that he'd gotten his ass kicked by some of these guys before. And I don't think he had a great game, but I do think he had more. The, one of the one of the real criticisms about him coming into last year was that he didn't want to get physical a lot of the time. And I do think he's he's solved that some. Like I still think I have him top twenty five. I may move him in the top twenty a little more. Like I think he is a first round player, and I think he could be a good NBA player. It's just the idea of him is some. It's 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 a lot of it's the media, like. Not just like I mean, like the like ball is life and like Instagram people. There has to be a superstar every year. They can't accept that, that some drafts that just isn't that guy. And so Wiseman's becoming the he's become like the the poster child for it because he's easy. He's the hardest to disprove because his stats. He is so such a small sample size. People haven't seen him very much. Well, and here's the thing, like, and I think he's the easiest to explain if you think he's good. You just say, well, he's huge and he's gonna. I was gonna, I was gonna say that that that's what I mean, people are gonna I'm sure recoil when they hear that you only have him at like 20. That's gonna surprise people I know. And there's this big divide that I mentioned earlier between um, just kind of he's my number three center. Like phil like philosophically, people are gonna be surprised by that. I think part of that you can you can correct me, but I think part of that is just the role being de-emphasized in the NBA. Part of that's that, and then there's also the part about just him as a player. But that that's my thing. Even even if you love Wiseman in a way that. I don't, and you definitely don't. Um, part of it is that it's a it's a tough sell to like sell me on a seven foot like pure drop pick you know pure drop pick and roll defending big man in the modern NBA if he's not a special offensive player and that's not what he seems to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure he'll be significantly better than Carl Anthony Towns at that stuff, and Carl Anthony Towns has the benefit of being maybe the best shooting seven footer in the history of the, of the game. So, and even then that kind of limits, that still limits his upside. some. like it's the yeah. reason why they haven't really done anything with him, even despite to him being incredibly talented and a great NBA player. I do this think that, so far that you can go with that, as, with that guy as your best guy. Yeah, I can see, I think I'm a little higher on his John Wiseman's defense than you, but cause that's the side of the floor. I can at least oh, see will, it on. He will block shots. Like if you yeah. run right at him, he's going, he will block shots. Well, that's the white side. Good hand. And pe- people get mad about the yeah. white side comparison. I've seen that people get upset about that and it's not perfect. I'm not saying it is, but it's just that archetype of a guy who is massive, who puts up box score stats and has some matchup trouble. And 
I, I, I think why, I mean, I'm not a big white side guy, like temperamentally, I think he's kind of, uh, you know, gets lost and does stupid things on the court that Wiseman may not do, but just the physical size is similar. And I think the production might be similar and Whiteside gets, is sort of, is sort of a punchline because of the, of the silliness that he does on the court sometimes, but like a more consistent, better Whiteside is a really good player. It's, it's not like a shot at Wiseman for comparing I, him to that. I can, I, I can, I can understand top 10. Like I, it makes sense to me. And he will go. He will go high because the guy who looks like that always will. I mean, Aiden had some of the same problems. Aiden is a much better athlete, though, um, and a much better offensive about talent. Wiseman, like not even close. Yes, significantly. Yeah, yeah. Aiden has like some of the best touch as like a paint scorer of any prospect in the last twenty years. Um, but um, what was I going to say about Wiseman? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, the Wiseman Whiteside thing. Like, I think Wiseman will be a better player. But if people like, I don't understand people still thinking Whiteside is some difference maker. Look what the Heat did when they got rid of him. When they gave all his minutes to Bam, look what happened. Yeah. They, he, Bam became a top 25 player. And, like, they shot to the moon. Look what happened. Even when Portland brought in Nurkic. When they, Nurkic came back. They were a lot better. Like, Whiteside is, is the 15th best starting center in the NBA. That's what, that's what he is. That's what he's going to be. And Wiseman will be a little better than that, but I'm. I still would. I just would not. I, he's philosophically, and just the way he plays, I'm just not interested. As like a, as like a top three or four pick, even in this draft, I wouldn't be interested. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. I, I think I'm wrong on that, but I'm just. It's. It's. I could pass. Yeah, I'm, I'm higher than you, but I'm definitely not in the. I would not take him in the top three. I've said that about you know before the lottery and all that stuff. I, I kind of just said I wouldn't take him as the Hawks, kind of wherever they landed. People got upset about that, but um, now it's easier to not talk about <laughs> for Atlanta because he's just a not going a not going to be there, and b they have Capella, so it's just an easier sell. But I think it's a pretty good uh, encapsulation of Wiseman as an overall product. All right, this is Brad coming to you in post-production to wrap up today's podcast. As I said, at the top of the show, we'll have more of these coming with with the other top prospects. And thanks to Brian for joining us on the podcast. Follow him at Cosmos. Follow him on Patreon as well. Follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow the show at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. Also, you can send in mailbag questions and other things to the email address at LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe. Leave five-star feedback. And we'll see you next time.